Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey, hey there, Rebels. Welcome back to the podcast. We are still continuing on in our career rebel conversations with amazing game-changing women who are um, just stepping into different iterations in their lives and careers that are just inspiring and impactful for me. And today is no different. We have a guest on today whose story just was captivating and magnetic for me. And I think, um, you know, her story, her life, her work would be definitely inspirational uh, for you as well. So without further ado, I'm excited to introduce Diane Halfman. She was an undercover cop for the San Diego Police Department, where she experienced a unique perspective of life behind the scenes. I think that's a good way to say it. Um, Diane took her years of experience to pioneer the creation of her own company called Spa Life, which stands for Seek Power Always. And as the host of the Live Your Spa Life podcast and productivity consultant, Diane Halfman travels the country speaking, consulting, conducting workshops dedicated to helping overwhelmed women, entrepreneurs, and corporate leaders move from a life of emergency to emergence, which is so amazing. She's known as the reset specialist, and I can't wait to hear all about that. And I love how for 10 years, she walked around with a gun in her hand, (laughs) which we're going to hear about, to actually now carrying a microphone, really changing the lives of women entrepreneurs and leaders around the world. So Diane, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, Carol, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to just get started with, I mean, you talk about, you know, I do a lot of work with women around career reinvention and transition, and and this is probably the most captivating one I've heard. And so I've got to hear the story about what your life was as a cop. Why did you choose that life? And what led you from leaving that to doing the amazing work that you're doing now? Well, you know, it's so funny. Sometimes life chooses us. We don't always, you know, I did not, I wasn't a person that grew up and said I wanted to be a cop. Uh, I was uh, the oldest of three children. And, you know, like you, my parents wanted me to be successful. And, you know, when I went to college, I also had 12 years of Catholic school. So I had a very kind of a middle, uh, middle growing up of um, middle class and my dad basically said when I was going to college you know are you going to be a lawyer or a doctor as if those were the only two professions in the world that I had to choose from and I knew I wasn't interested in medicine but I was intrigued by law so I said okay I'm going to go to school and be a lawyer and I got my degree in criminal justice and my senior year when I was doing work for an attorney and I was doing the research I thought oh my god I'm I can't imagine be having my head in these books every day all day and how it just it wouldn't be exciting or or inspiring enough for me to do this and you're probably laughing going through the attorney shepherdizing and all of the things that that you're very familiar with as well and so i was kind of at this crossroads of what am i going to do with this you know degree in criminal justice 
And uh, I had some of the guys I was graduating with going into law enforcement and they're like, why don't you just take the test, right? Just, just see, see what happens. And I was a, a very scholarly person like you. I was, you know, had in my class and I took the, the test and scored very high. And uh, said at the time they were actually looking for women to be on the department. It wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And particularly because they were uh, looking for women that could work undercover prostitution because there was a very renowned um, serial killer case that was targeting uh, prostitutes that spanned, you know, 10 years of the Green River Killer all along the uh, coast of the West Coast. And several of those cases were in San Diego and we started having a lot of copycat killers that were happening during that time. So not only did I, from the day that I took that test to I was accepted to be uh, a San Diego police officer was three months, which is very unheard of to move like that quickly um, through that. People can sit on the list for a long time. Um, I, mean, I was obviously I was qualified and I had all that, but it was, you know, there wasn't a lot of time to go, hmm, what do you think this career is going to be like? And what's, what's it going to be? I didn't even know anyone that was a police officer um, except one person who was at our church. Right. And wow. so I didn't have a lot of insight to that life and, and what it would look like. And so not only would I, um, you know, at, at the time also I was married and my daughters were, were very young. And so I literally would go from, you know, wearing a, a police uniform, answering 911 calls and doing the work during the day. And then I would adjust hours and I would work as a prostitute at night and then come home and, you know, be a mom. So wearing all these different hats, you know, women can relate to wearing a lot of different hats. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that is so incredible. So what was that like when you started becoming an undercover, you know, an undercover cop, being a prostitute, trying to find a serial killer? I mean, I can't even imagine like doing that. And then, like you say, coming home and being a mom and, you know, probably not locking your daughters away and the, you know, never allowing them to leave the house ever again, considering what you've seen and right. experienced. Like, what was that like? Well, you know, there's uh, a lot of different ways to look at it. When uh, the thing that is, we were very lucky and um, in our department, we had a lot of really great innovative training that a lot of other departments didn't have. And so they say all that anytime you're under a pressure situation, you go back to your training. You know, that's why it's so important to have good coaches and good trainers and people in your life that, that help you see the things that you don't necessarily see. And so anytime I was presented with things, I would be able to, under stressful situations, revert to my training, as well as build up the experience on the street of being able to trust myself and to mm -hmm. have situational awareness and be able to look at the things around me and make decisions very quickly. So that supported me on the street, as well as when I moved into coaching and consulting, because those same skills are things that, that people need. And I was able to, to learn to step into things, um, you know, where most people would run away from things. I learned to lean in to things that were challenging and to uh, evaluate very quickly what's in front of me and make the best decisions in the moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I know, you know, the transition, I would love to hear you talk about that too. Like, what was that like to come out of, you know, you talked about, I broke the mold of being undercover and, and moving into something very different. So what was that process like? Because I can imagine, um, 
you know, it's, it's a very different type of being. And, and the, I hear what you're saying about the skill sets that you develop definitely were transferable, but sometimes we don't see that initially. So how, what was the process like for you to go from that into the work that you're doing now? Well, just like it wasn't necessarily a, a conscious decision to go into police work, it also wasn't one to leave it. You know, I had been 10 years into my career. Uh, I was on the sergeant's list. I was, you know, uh, looking at this to be a lifelong career. Uh, again, you know, when you train for something and you're in something, you don't necessarily look at getting out of it. You look at, well, how can I, uh, you know, promote or how can I get to the next level and move into that? Um, but for me, I was in a training accident where I shattered uh, my gun hand and um, all the, the bones in, in my right hand, which is my gun hand, got shattered and I was rushed to an emergency surgery uh, where they had to snap back my hand and they basically said if I didn't get into surgery, I could have lost the hand. And although, you know, thank God for, uh, you know, uh, training and and being able to have you know good recovery i've got you know very good strength not not what it was but i have very good uh, strength and flexibility in my hand but uh basically the doctors had said that um, i had a high percentage of having paralysis in the hand if i broke it again and basically said you know you couldn't be in any street fights you couldn't have any type of altercation and obviously as a police officer you can't guarantee that so uh, i went into um a, into retirement so it was one of those having to recover from the injury and be able to look at something that in essence feels like it was taken away but i also you know looked at it as it was a godsend and i looked at it as these are the nudges that we have in life um similarly to you had with you know with your car accident right these things happen in life and we have these you know awarenesses that we may not always see in the moment uh but trust that we're meant to be on a different path and we're meant to be led somewhere else so uh even though it felt confusing it felt unsure I, at this point i was a single mom you know there were a lot of different things that were like how is it life's going to be different mm -hmm. uh and i just kept looking at you know take take one step and um you know start looking at what it is i'm going to be different and because my last case that i had was a very uh notorious uh kidnapping murder case of, of the first case that i actually knew uh the child victim who was killed uh it was a friend of mine uh her daughter mm. she lived a mile away from my home um it was a very uh it was a case where a lot of volunteers came and helped it was a very public case and it was a very um you know not only emotional but um very taxing at the time as well and so after that case and after retiring i really didn't tell people that i was a police officer you know it was one of those like i wanted to almost be undercover in my in my real life to not uh, to kind of have some separation from that but anytime anyone found out about you know the work that i did they would always ask about you know uh, what the stories and the questions and what i what that experience was um both as a police officer in uniform and as undercover. And that's where I really started um, seeing and people were pointing out to me and coming to me for this advice of how do you move through fear and how do you make quicker decisions? How do you have situational awareness? How all the different things that I learned on the street are things that were helpful for people that were you know entrepreneurs and in leadership positions that had to make those quick decisions. And maybe it wasn't life and death for them, but it can feel like it when you're in business and in life that those decisions can feel like you know i have to make them very quick and and how do i get it from that so i was able to look at getting getting all of those skills that i had on the street and, and who 
uh, the things that I learned in my own experience to then transition through that, even though I didn't know what the exact path was going to look like. Yeah. What, what do you think were some of the biggest challenges of that transition for you? You know, what was, was it, was it the uh, mindset shift or was it, um, you know, what, like, what were some of the challenges you felt were uh, maybe from transitioning from what you were doing, knowing that you couldn't do that anymore into doing something different to what you're doing now? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges, and you and I've talked about this before is, you know, the people around you, you know, I was basically labeled as I'm a cop, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, as a police officer, there was an identity with that. Um, And so in, especially, you know, with my family, it was like you were related to in that way, people saw you in that way, and they treat you in in that way as well. So going into uh, consulting and coaching, I can remember particularly for my dad, he would make comments like, you know, um, you know, you doing that thing, whatever it is, that thing that you do, (laughs) or he'd see me like, you know, when I started my podcast or I would do public speaking and he would see a clip of me speaking somewhere. And it's like, there's Diane doing that thing of whatever she does. Right. It's like they, you know, when you see like a, a job or a title that you can go like, Oh, an attorney does this, or a police officer does this, or a baker does this, right. It's like a consultant it's like, what exactly is that? And what does that do if you're not in that world, right? If you're not part of the entrepreneurial world, uh, you don't see that. And, you know, part of having a, you know, J-O-B is like, you get a paycheck every two weeks, right? And you, you have these things. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, obviously you can make a lot more in that, but everything's on you, right? So mm-hmm. you have more of that, um, that stress of, of not knowing, you know, what is the next thing and what it's going to go at. But I also look at, having your own business and you know when you get to help people um realize their best potential and what they're doing what you're up to there's a lot of trust that that happens that not only them of you but you trusting yourself that everything that you've gone through everything that you've experienced happened for a reason like it happened in ways that you now can relate to people in a different way you can share that experience like no one else can experience and you have to trust that when we're put on certain paths if we're given even just the inclination the desire the passion to do something different than we're doing now to know that there's a reason for that and to listen to that and whether you step fully into it or not i think we owe it to ourselves to at least explore it because it's showing us you know, it's kind of shining light in that way that, you know, I believe God created us all for a unique purpose to be here in the world that no one else can do than us. And we have to accept that assignment of what it is that we're here to do. Yeah. I love that. I love that. How do you help people though? I think, you know, I, I 1000% agree with you. And like you said, we have talked about this, but how do you get people to trust that, to listen to that, to know, particularly when they're getting a lot of naysayers or people saying of oh, that thing you do, or, you know, not really understanding it. How do you get your help people to really see that it's okay to lean into that, that, that it's okay to kind of move past the fear or uncertainty that's available to them right now to be able to get to the other side when they're not even sure what the other side looks like. Right, right. Well, I think one of the easiest ways to do that is for them to uh, look at their own success, right? So no matter where they've gotten here before, and maybe they're not seeing it right now, they don't necessarily see it in 
in their um, vision. Maybe they're seeing the obstacles or the things that have worked and they're seeing all the negative things in that. But when you actually explore with someone and you get really clear on what is their story? Like, what is it that, you know, inspires them to do the things that they've done so far? You know, what have been their accomplishments in, not necessarily in their work, but in other areas of their life? Maybe they have done a lot of things in volunteering or they've done some amazing things with their children uh, or, you know, there's something that they did in their home, right? There's just every aspect of your life. When you look at that and you find where have you been successful in that and you start kind of tearing that apart about what were the challenges of that and how did you win anyway? And I think the more we can identify that no matter what challenges we have in our life, but you won anyway, that is building the bank of your success. Mm -hmm. You are able to see because success leaves clues. It's like if you were successful in anything in your life, even no matter what small thing that you think it is, you already have that formula within yourself to be successful in anything because how you do one thing is how you do anything. There may be some other skills you need to add. There's maybe certain things that you have, but you are always bringing you that nobody else has. They've never experienced anything quite the way that you've experienced and you're able to look at it in a different way. And this is the beauty of having someone who is a coach or a consultant in your life. And one of my favorite quotes that I like of Les Brown is that he talks about, um, you know, for those of you who don't know who he is, you gotta just look him up. But most people in the entrepreneurial world know who he is. And he is um, you know, a motivational speaker and somebody who has really helped people step into their own success and power. And he talks about that you cannot see the full picture when you are in the frame, right? When you're in it, you go, you know, if you're not looking at a mirror, it's like, what are my eyebrows doing? It's like, you can't see it when you're in it. And so, the beauty of having people, cheerleaders in our lives, people who look at things, they help protect us from the naysayers, the people that, you know, aren't ready to see the next iteration of ourself. You have to prove that. You have to step into that and say that you are ready to be that person. I love that. What an amazing quote. That is a keeper, definitely for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, so so let me ask you this, because I'm sure sometimes people are like, well, you know, you couldn't be a cop, like you were forced out of it because of your hand. Or if people have heard my story, they may think, well, a car accident, like these massive events that kind of push the envelope for you to do something different or to step into something different. What do you say to people who are like on the fence, who it's really nothing other than their own desire or internal compass is saying maybe to take a leap into something different, but feel the fear or worry about stepping into that, to moving into something different. What do you say to people to help them to get off the fence and get into action? Right. Well, the fact that someone has fear or they have some uncertainty, that's the nudge. You know, they haven't quite gotten to the point where they had a, a major incident like you and I have, but they're most likely on the road to that because when we're meant to do something, we're going to have wake up calls. And when you start having the grumblings of, you know, this is not all I can be, or I'm here to do something else, that is the time to start exploring and stepping into that. It's a great time to pray. It's one thing to go, okay, God, if you really want me to do something, I want a sign. I want a big sign you know, and you start looking for those signs, you know, it's like when you say that you want to have a, you know, a, a blue car, and all of a sudden you see blue cars everywhere. When we start putting out into the world, hey, 
I want some signs. I want to have some clarity. I want to have some insight. That could be a time where you consult with somebody or, you, you know, you don't want to really, you have to be careful and protect your big dreams for the people closest to us because they want to see us in the box they've created for us because it's not that they don't want great things for us. I mean, of course, whether it's our, our parents, you know, our, our spouses, our family, they want great things for us, but they don't want us to be different than they can possibly recognize because subconsciously they think that it's going to change our relationship with them. Right. And so they're coming from a protective space. That's a survival skill that people have. And in order for them to move into the next you know, iteration of themselves, one, they have to listen to that. They know that it's time to at least explore it. And you know, what's the worst case scenario? I mean, you can always step back to your old life, right? Mm -hmm. You can always go back to that. You know, it's never gonna be quite the same because we grow, we change, life changes. So anytime you feel that uncertainty or that fear or any of those things that come up, you know, you can, I love one of the acronyms for fear is, you know, face any, you know, face everything and rise, right? Mm -hmm. So no matter what's coming at you, you have the opportunity to rise above it and to look at it in a different way. They say too that you know it, the graveyard is is filled with people of regrets and not stepping into something. And no matter where you are at a current career or whatever, you, you still have so much more life to live. And do you want to be on your deathbed to say, "I wish I could have, I, you know, I, I should have explored this. I was here to, you know, I was meant to do something bigger, you know." And whatever that is, you know, we do ourselves an injustice to not explore it. Yeah, oh, that's real talk right there. Really? Yeah, regret is something that I think plagues a lot of people for not, you know, they, they always say the studies that I've read around regret are that we never regret the things that we've done, but what we regret are the things that we haven't done. And that is such a painful yeah. legacy to leave, um, to, to live, actually. So I really appreciate that. So you call yourself a reset specialist. Tell me a little bit about what that means, you know, and, and what that's about. I love that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always look at, you know, you can always hit the reset button, right? No matter where you are in life, no matter what's going on, there are things in our head that, that make us feel like we can't go further or we can't change or we were meant for this or whatever our circumstances are. Those are all stories, right? Those are all things that are meant to keep us down. If we know that we can always just hit the reset button, because I look at, you know, the original model of the unique person of who we showed up for, that's our most powerful self. And the things that happen in life that can knock us down, that can have us question. But if you talk to like a two or three-year-old, they can run the country. Like I've got <laughs> grandchildren and it's like, they are so full of, you know, possibility. And, you know, you can see the vision of their greatest self. It's only when they get to, to school and they get around certain other people that tell them that they can't. And you start seeing that eroding of, of the brilliance of who they were over time. Uh, you know, so you can hit that reset button and reclaim that perfect version of yourself and doesn't mean you're going to show up and do everything perfectly. But when you know that that's how you were made and that everything else is just, you know, things coming at you in life and you can strip those things away and go back to what are my values? What are my strengths? Who am I? Who am I meant to be? And you keep going back to that. That gives you the strength to go forward, hitting that reset button. Anytime, anytime you feel stress, you feel, you know, power, you just, even just mentally, uh, you just kind of hit that button and go, okay, bring me back to my best self. 
Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's really good. Is that, tell me a little bit about the spa life. Is that something that you work with your clients on in the spa life? You know, what's that process look like? And, you know, um, for individuals that you work with. Yes. Thank you. So, you know, uh, interestingly enough, when I, I had shared that, that case, the, the kidnapping murder case after a year of trial and just the, so much, you know, stress and, and angst that happened in that somebody had donated for myself and the mother and one of the other volunteers to go to a place called Canyon ranch, which is a, a health spa resort in Tucson, uh, Arizona. And I'd never been to a place like this before. And, you know, we came there pretty, you know, exhausted and, and sad and just, you know, really uh, just taxed in, in every possible way. And one of the things that was really beautiful about this place is not only was it, you know, physically beautiful, uh, there were, you know, waterfalls and, and beautiful landscape and we would do hikes and, you know, we would have treatments, not, not just massages, but, you know, having really good food. And it just became this realization of when we take care of ourselves, both, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, you know, spiritually, all the different aspects of ourself, that's where we can get back to our best self. And over that, that week time, I could just see us getting more sleep and us being able to, uh, you know, have deeper conversations and that the more you take care of yourself, the more you, you fill your own cup up, that's from that place is where you can um, really make an impact in the world. And we had some really great conversations after that deeply taking care of ourselves where the mother was like, I want to have impact. I want to make, you know, the, the murder of my daughter mean something for other children and started looking at legislation and looked at other ways and things that she could do that so that there could be something that positive could that could come out of that and so when i had uh come back from that and i had uh one of uh, my mentors had asked me if you could do anything in the world what would you do and i said i'd live the spa life hmm. and at the moment that was just that was a divine word that came through me. I'd never heard it before. And I had said, you know, it wasn't about just getting a massage. It was a lifestyle. It was how you were living your life. It was looking at all the different aspects of yourself, internal and out. When you really start looking at all of those things, that's where you, you can start being your best self and start showing up. And, and then it became, I, you know, the more I would, uh, you know, lean into that word and start looking at it, that's where the acronym of that um, came up in actually one of my strategy sessions, again, with one of my mentors, where the SPA and spa life, the SPA is for seek power always. So it's that power within you that that divine knowingness uh, to be able to be your best self to do what you do what you do. And so the the spa life, the whole, you know, seek power always, it became being the filling yourself up. It was all about taking care of yourself, but it was also stepping into that power of who it is that we're truly here to be. So it's funny when I have a, a lot of my clients, you know, they'll call me up and they're like, I want to live the spa life. That's why I want to work with you. Like, what is that? How do we create that? <laughs> what is that going to be? And uh, that's, uh, that's where it came from. And that's where my podcast was also that was live your spa life. So it's these kind of conversations. And that way is, it was so beautiful having you on the show as well, because, you know, there's so many when we look at all the different aspects of our life, putting all of that together and stepping forward and stepping into who we really are, that that's a powerful person. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I want to live the spa life too. So I'm, I'm all on board with that in both connotations, <laughs> both in my power and getting a little spa life and massage too. So I, I love the, the use of 
because I think you're right from a both angles, taking care of ourselves and stepping into our power, they go hand in hand. And so what a beautiful title. And yeah, I'm on board with that. I want to live the spa life too. <laughs> so, you know, I, I always ask people what it means to be a career rebel. From, from my understanding, I would definitely classify you as a career rebel, but from your own, you know, thoughts, what does it mean to be a career rebel? How would you define that and, and, and you know, put that out there for other people? Well, to me being, you know, a career rival is, it is spot life. You know, it is seek power always. It's trusting yourself to know that, you know, right. And, you know, a lot of times, and, and women really get this. It's like, you know, things. And, you know, when you second guess yourself, you are taking away your power and being a rebel is to trust yourself enough to know that, you know, right? You don't even have to always know exactly where that came from. You can explore that later. You can be like, Hey, I, I received a divine message and it led me to do some research in something or, or to talk to a certain person or how many times have you thought of somebody and then they call you, right? I mean, there are forces in the world that are working for us. And I believe those are all God moments. And I think being a rebel is to listen to that because we're having things presented to ourselves, And when we ignore them, we stop getting those intuitive hits. We don't get those things when we ignore them. And when you lean into them at any point in your life, if you've turned it off at any time, you can be like, God, give me the signs, you know, let me hear the message, you know, and in order to do that, and this is probably the, the most challenge, and this is probably the most rebel thing to do for a woman is to have silent moments, right? Mm. And I love that the word silent, when you mix up the words and you turn them around, in the word silent is the word listen. And mm. we are really good at listening to other people and looking at other things, but we don't always listen to the messages we have for ourselves, or we don't, you know, create that quiet space to be able to hear the message of what we're doing. So the more angst and things that we feel, you know, sometimes that rebel moment is to just be quiet and to listen to what is really within us. And I think sometimes the reason we multitask or we're busy or we're doing all these things we're doing is so that we aren't quiet enough to hear because we know this is that you know that you know that we're being guided to do something else and if we sit still enough to hear it we would actually have to do something about it yeah i love that i think that is so true yeah we we start buffering and avoiding because we're like oh no i have to go that route i know what i should do and i don't want to do and i love that because some, a lot of times when i work with women when i hear them tell me well i don't know what i want i'm like yes you do you just don't want to admit it and know that you have to actually do some work to go after it i absolutely love that so diane where can people find you like how can they find more about the spa life to get on board on your podcast and definitely we're going to put all of that in the show notes so you can find it but what's the best way for people to read reach out and connect with you and get in your world. Yes, thank you. Well, one of the best ways is you can go to my website, dianehaffman.com. Uh, that'll get you to my uh, podcast on there. You can also go to any platform and listen to that. It, it's, uh, you know, live your spa life and, and you can listen to all the different episodes because I think listening from other people is really helpful. Um, we also have on there too, you can go uh, dianehaffman.com forward slash crisis. And I think particularly Particularly right now, this is a, a free resource to have you really understand what crisis means to you and how to move through it. Because, you know, what a crisis can mean to one person can mean something totally different. And I would say, especially what has been happening in, you know, the last couple of years, uh, you know, people have to learn to take back their own power, not, not believe necessarily something that they've been told, you know, to really see what is true for you, your family, your body, your, you know, your beliefs, all of these type of things. It's 
just so important to uh, to trust yourself in in that way. And so knowing how you operate in crisis is a really uh, important thing for for just overall wellness. So dianehappen.com forward slash crisis. And then any of the social platforms, you know, I'm on uh, Instagram, uh, you know, I don't do LinkedIn as much. I'm trying to get better at that. Um, but Instagram and Facebook and some of those as well, um, definitely send me a private message. Any way I can support or help, I'm happy to do so. That's fabulous. Well, Diane, thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a very busy schedule to be a guest on the podcast. It is an honor to have you and I love your story and there's so much synergy. And I know for those of you who are listening, you know, you're going to want to re-listen to this again and again, because there's so many gems that I think you can take with you to really step into that next iteration, your highest iteration of self and being. So thank you so oh, much, Diane. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much for having me here on the show. I, I so appreciate it. And I love what you're doing for women out there. And, you know, I, I just want to leave everyone with just another quote that I really uh, like uh, that uh, it, it's uh, Clement Watt and it's take the first step, no more, no less, and the next step will be revealed. And anytime that we feel overwhelmed or we feel fearful for anything, don't worry about all the other steps or what it's going to look like. Just take the first step. I love that. Thank you again. Oh, that's awesome. Listen, Rebels, this has been an amazing, amazing episode. Uh, tune in. We're going to continue these conversations and, and connect with other individuals. And um, until then, you know, take one step and have a rebellious week. See you next time. Hey, if you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, then you've got to come check out the Career Rebel Academy. It's where you'll get the individual help and support you need applying the concepts and strategies you're learning here and so much more. You'll be joined by a community of other rebels just like you, and I'll be there as your guide every step of the way. If you're genuinely looking to change the course of your life and career, I promise you, this is the place you'll want to be. Just go to www.carolparkerwalsh.com forward slash career dash rebel dash academy. I can't wait to see you there.